Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast, where we're back to our normal regime this week, and you'll find uh, the two of us around the desk of Insight with some thoughts on uh, three kind of topics that we've considered important right now for those of you in the hospitality and operational real estate sector, um, particularly in and around investment. Uh, my name is Chris Bowen. I'm the editor of Hotel Analyst, and I'm joined by Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst. Um, we're going to start by uh, really raking over some of the reasons perhaps we might should be feeling confident. Um, there's a number of reports out, and they're looking fairly positively at the way things are going to be going forward over the coming months. And also, we took the temperature of the marketplace by listening in to EY's Hospitality and Leisure webinar recently and uh, there were some big hitters on the board there uh, giving us their views on the way things look like they're going to go. Um, we had uh, Kate Nichols from UK Hospitality uh, warning about the challenges but um, looking forward to brighter future towards the back end of the year uh, when hopefully things such as staff shortages energy price hikes and so on will have calmed down and things will be looking better and uh, those involved operationally in hotels were kind of looking on the bright side as well so um, overall a positive outlook albeit uh, some bumps in the road in the immediate future. Yeah, I think there's a difficulty in terms of of how you read the current situation in particular i think you're looking at immediately what you've you've got um in terms of numbers in front of you and we have seen such incredible and fantastic rapid rates of growth effectively a bounce back to to where we were to 2019 the problem is of course that the the, the slope the upward slope um gets significantly less steep um because we're getting sort of back to normal so that that almost creates a, an atmosphere of the rate of growth declining yes, um which, a feeling of disappointment yeah yeah exactly <laughs> that and i think there is a slight hint of that already beginning to creep in but overall people ought to be feeling very very confident indeed and i think we're going to go on um the third item in this podcast to talk about uh, booking holdings numbers um for the full year and i think that they demonstrate clearly just why people should be feeling confident but before we get into that um let's talk about um this 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 particular um, period we're in and I, I think there's a real sense of uncertainty um, mm -hmm. but I, I'm actually it's positive uncertainty I would argue because what we had was quite negative certainty um, <laughs> in that post GFC period we you know it was just one long grind wasn't it you know um, interest rates were fixed um, growth was dismal and we just went on for 13 or so years at that that same level well thank goodness that's come to an end and yes that has created uncertainty because all of a sudden um, we've got inflation we've got interest rates going up we've got all sorts of things moving which had sort of seemed completely stagnant mm. um, for over a decade so yeah that that's it makes it trickier but um but it also makes it um, exciting and makes and will create opportunities I think mm. so I think I think we, we need to approach it with that sort of positive mindset um, 
just looking in terms of um you know a, a lot of our listeners are uh, involved in the transaction market and that was one of the focuses for the ey piece you you listened in on chris but mm-hmm. looking at some numbers out of uh, knight frank who've just uh, uh published their uk figures for hotel transactions and they're saying they're um 22 uh 31% below the 5 year average and 22% below um what was achieved last year so we've seen quite a slowdown in uh, transactions and you know it almost ground to a complete halt in Q4 and i think they broke it up into quarters and that's uh, really where it's quite scary mm-hmm. um you look at just how how bad it was and you know they rightly say look that mini budget um in inverted commas mini um what was a, a you know a key cause of the turmoil i mean it coincided with the market suddenly adjusting to the fact that rates were going to go up quite significantly and quite rapidly um, um so that all sort of kicked in at once so it was just a sort of a series of sort of shocks to the system but that did grind everything to a to a halt um so if you look at what they're saying the activity in q4 22 was just 13 percent of that in q4 2021 um so you know a heck of a slowdown really there um they they do look forward and say look it's it, it's positive and they point to the forecast from visit britain um which is a an 18% rise in inbound tourism to 35.1 million this year, um, which is positive. But I think um, the problem in Northern Europe, um, you know, uh, countries like Germany, the Scandies, and the UK, um, the outbound market is much bigger than the inbound market. Um, and if if the um, inbound market's coming back, presumably our outbound market is going to be back. At full pelt already, and I think it already is. Mm. I think anybody who's got on a plane will see that it's uh, absolutely packed right now. And we've got roughly a two-to-one ratio in terms of outbound versus inbound. So if um, you know we have an 18% increase in inbound, unfortunately we're going to see the corresponding increase in outbound, which will um, inevitably mean we have a weaker domestic tourism market net net. Um, so we benefited from it in the you know when we couldn't go overseas when and travelers couldn't go overseas from the you you know couldn't travel from the uk overseas um but now we're seeing the downside of that um i think overall there's still reasons to be relatively cheerful about that um domestic uk um leisure piece we've got group travel coming back strongly um and business travel is continuing to recover as well but um i i do think you know that staycation and how much that staycation market weakens is going to be a, a key thing to watch mm. um in in terms of what this year looks like well um in it, for transactions um it should be a lot better but knight frank went with the consensus consensus view it's going to be the back end of uh, this year when they finally get going again um so i mean back in uh, q1 2019 there were two and a half billion pounds worth of uh, hotel transactions um 
I don't think we're probably going to get to that sort of level by Q4 of this year, but hopefully getting well towards that and hopefully getting towards a, um, a much stronger position. I think the problem we're going to face is that while people are gaining confidence, we will see um, a weakening macro picture mm. at that point. So, um, um, but you know that old investment adage things are never as good as you hope um, but they're never as bad as you fear um, <laughs> I think that sort of sums up the outlook for, for this year now we're, we're about to sort of wrap up the results uh, season for the big uh, international hotel groups but we did take a look at um, intercontinental hotels and Accor hotels um, numbers they were sort of the, the later ones to come out but what's interesting about this pair is that they both have quite a big bet on China uh, they've both been investing for quite a long time in growing their presence in the Chinese market and of course um, that means they've kind of suffered worse than the others uh, over the last two or three years through the pandemic uh, but potentially stand to gain more as China finally um, unleashes its uh, populace and gets traveling again um, allowing people into China as well as uh, allowing the Chinese to travel outward um, you know I intercontinental has been in there for a long time they've even created their own China oriented brand Hualux um, and of course um, Accor's been involved for quite a long time done a lot of joint ventures um, not least one with H-World or Huazu as they used to be called um, which has helped them to grow their Ibis, Novotel and so on brands uh, in the Chinese market and uh, so both quietly looking forward to a, um, a much more interesting 2023-24 um, as they've <laughs> looked back on the time when they frankly had to mothball half of their estates in uh, in china because not much was going on yeah well it's a contrast of course 21 to 22 so 21 was relatively okay but 22 was uh, a complete meltdown um with the the um, rather daft um zero covid policy which and they did a 180 degree u-turn on which only sort of an authoritarian regime like china could manage to pull off i suspect but um ours was much more uh, sort of gradual um but even even now we're not fessing up to the fact that lockdowns didn't really make a lot of sense but let's not go down that rabbit hole not this time. um no. not this time um there'll be plenty of other times no mm. doubt um I, I, don't I even mention the analogy. WhatsApp messages from Matt oh yeah don't, no, yeah don't, no, let's, let's not go there, there. let's not go no. there uh, let's no. <laughs> it's, it's that's the script um <laughs> Um, but I made, made an analogy between Accor as Europe's Marriott and IHG as Europe's Hilton um, and why I'm suggesting this and it's very loose um, but why I'm suggesting is this that Accor is it has a much bigger focus on management um, and it has aligned its luxury and lifestyle operations on brand rather than geographic lines and in actual fact Accor was ahead of Marriott here. Marriott only announced this similar restructuring in late February. So, so hence Accor is like um, uh, Marriott, and IHG um, is focused on strengthening the linkage between its master brand IHG and its individual hotel brands. And this is very Hilton-like. You know, you've got the Hampton by Hilton. Da 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 da. Um, um, the challenge IHG has is that 
well most people know what hilton is i don't think many customers are gonna really just go with our hg what's mm. that what's that strange well strangely they holiday yeah holiday is very very strong it, yeah. yeah um exactly so they've got the you know they've got this they've got an individual brand i mean if they're you know intercontinental by holiday Inn doesn't quite work though does it really i don't no, think but no. uh, um, the other thing where ihg is similar to hilton i'd suggest is that they they have resisted adding a plethora of uh, of brands i mean Accor just seems to add one every other week doesn't it but uh, um you know ihg is is relatively restrained it's now only at 18 brands only um only yes <laughs> the most recent being it's a uh, uh, coll- uh, vignette collection conversion brand and and they said on the uh, uh, in in the presentation they've got three of those open and a further 14 in the pipeline um and they were very big on that whole conversion piece saying that uh, you know that they were growing in importance or a, f- a big future opportunity and last year overall uh, 23% of signings were conversions for IHG the the challenge for IHG is matching um those US peers um but well particularly Hyatt I guess who's the nug leader it's that net unit growth piece which uh, I actually has really struggled with and and Bernstein analysts also pointed out that uh, I still has EBIT below 2019 whereas the US players have seen double digit growth in in EBIT um, um, over the last year so I think I think there's you know IHG still has a way to, ways to go, and I think Accor still has a, a ways to go. Now, dealing with this Chinese thing, I think there's a big difference between IHG and Accor in that IHG is um, doing direct franchising, and what Accor has done is really done master franchise deals. Now, you know, I, I do question um, what's going to happen here. Now, I kind of the, the sort of good news bad news thing is so say the bad news is that uh, Accor makes very very little money out of its hotels um, its franchises in China because it's through this master franchise arrangement so it, it doesn't really get a very a very big amount of cash at all um, out of it so actually if the relationship with Hworld does break down it's not going to be that that serious for it although it will be meaningful in terms of flags on the map because it's got a you know quite a big number it's 468 properties apparently at year end or under Accor flags um, in this H world um, master franchise deal but why I suspect the relationship is going to weaken is that both sides have exited their joint shareholding so Accor sold its 3.3% stake the the remain it had a bit more than that but it the last um, bit of that stake the 3.3% it sold for 460 million US in January and Hworld announced in um, earlier this month that it sold its 3.7% of Accor um, so they've they've sort of disengaged in that basis and I wonder whether that might proceed to a even further mm. disengagement of course they deny it yeah. right now but um, we'll wait and see um, I, I think the Chinese thing it, it, it's going to take a while unlike travel in most of the rest of the world which has come flying back um, 
I think it's going to take a bit more in China. We'll see, but I suspect it'll be a bit slower as much as anything because it's so state-controlled, and I think um, the Chinese government is going to um, you know, keep the brakes on to a degree on that overseas travel piece. But nonetheless, because China is so huge, um, you know, even just coming back a bit, it makes a significant difference. And IHG is very well-placed to benefit from that. It's got 98,000 rooms open in China and 22,000 in the pipeline so of the global major um, hotel brands um, Xinjiang and, and H-World um, if you think of H-World as a global major but certainly Xinjiang is accepted the Chinese one so of the western global major hotel brands IHG I think is in the, the box seat for the Chinese recovery. Now we're going to have a look at what's going on in the online booking world um, where uh, it would appear that uh, we've you know we've had uh, early in the pandemic uh, everyone liked the idea of being able to cancel and so they went to the OTAs and then a little bit later on they preferred the confidence of booking direct with the hotel company um, because the hotel companies were promising to keep the rooms clean all that sort of thing um, and more recently we've had uh, just well a period of relative calm I suppose partly because the pie keeps getting bigger no one actually cares that much if their slice is getting a little slimmer because I uh, say the thing's moving so fast uh, but we, we've pulled together a few bits and pieces um, recently from those watching the trends and uh, SiteMinder reveals that uh, um, 2022 saw, saw uh, consumers booking trips further ahead and reducing the number of cancellations um, so signs of dev demonstrable signs of, of improving confidence and uh, all this despite the fact that you know there was the, the noticeable increase in in rates um, they also reckoned that um, OTAs wholesalers and destination management companies reasserted their dominance and mentioned that booking remains the uh, strongest overall channel and of course we just had some numbers from from booking uh, holdings um, who have had a, another fantastic year um, that's as much to do with the pie getting bigger as whether or not their slice is getting larger um, but they are pushing uh, ahead on building their brands on processing more and more of the bookings as a as a merchant uh, and the other thing that they're looking to get into now is trying to sell you your flights as well as your hotel booking so I think it get to you early enough when you're planning your trip They'll, they'll see if they can sell you the flights through their platform as well as sell you the hotel room stays. Um, and uh, the interesting thing that um, the booking CEO, Glenn Fogel, mentioned was that um, you know a lot of this work is not magic. It's just a hard grind and you've just got to work at it all the time to be more relevant to your consumers and deliver greater value. Um, and, you know, like everyone else, Booking's got an app and Booking's got some sort of a loyalty thing going on. But, you know, they've really just, they were interested in, in, in their their results presentation saying this is just, you've just got to keep at this stuff and keep honing it and improving it and really delivering value to the customer. Mm, I think there's good news and bad news in uh, bookings numbers. It's and it's probably good news, which 
is good news for the industry as a whole as i suggested earlier in this podcast um so gross bookings um which is the the total value of you know if you book your hotel room it's not just what you're paying bookings commission but it's the the value of that that uh, payment to the the hotel that goes via booking um so those gross bookings were 121 billion us dollars uh, it's the first time in bookings history that those gross bookings have exceeded 100 billion um and it's a 26 percent increase on 2019 so it's one heck of Bounce a back. you know yeah. one heck yeah. of a run-up yeah. yeah i mean it's incredible um so room nights um sold um, by booking were 896 million in 2022 um, that's ahead of the 845 million in 2019 so again another metric showing just how strong that recovery has been and this is the biggest travel company globally remember so it's a whopper and you've also got to remember that those room nights um i mean barely is easy to forget but in q1 last year we were in a right meltdown thanks yeah. to omicron you know and so it's you know quite a weak period so really they had three strong quarters and one quite weak quarter so if you factor in that that there's an even bigger leap there in 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 um you know if if you if you do the sort of four quarters starting from q2 this year it's it's a huge increase um that, that's been going on um so i mean it's looking on course at booking to to hit that you know, that, that magic number of a billion um room nights booked mm -hmm. a year um within the next few years so it's quite incredible actually it just shows what a, a beast this is but here's the downside mm. there's a um, but yeah. Uh, well, just one other, one other, one yeah. other positive thing. Uh, well, positive thing. One other thing to remark on is everybody's saying this is an ADR-led recovery, and it's absolutely so. We said that six percent increase in volume, but the twenty-five percent increase in ADR. Partly, it was because of the mix. They were saying it's a switcheroo from um, from Asia, or um, uh, well, Asia was still low, um, and whereas the um, Americas and Europe EMEA have, has come um, back faster. Um, but nonetheless, it's still clearly, a, a, I would suggest, a rate-led recovery coming in here. But then here's the negative bit um, from a booking perspective, a booking holdings perspective. Um, it is that it's spending even more money <laughs> on Google. So um, in 2022, it spent $6 billion uh, US dollars. So it's actually, that's 21% up on 2019. Um, so it, it, it's shoveling, you know, as fast as it's coming in, it's shoveling, you know, to actually get it coming in that fast it's have to put you know uh, spend even more um to deliver that so i think that's a that's a challenge for it so um and it's got this booming top line but its bottom line isn't so booming it's still below 2019 level so depending on what particular number you want to do so adjusted ebitda is one of the favorites the the tech companies like um that is still that was 5.8 billion in 2019 it's 5.3 billion in 22 look at net income which is net profit um 
that was 4.9 billion in 2019 and just 3.1 billion in 2022 so this is a, this is a problem and reflects you mentioned the merchant model there chris um and the problem with the merchant model it, it's higher cost to deliver it so that's a factor hitting its bottom line there and it's switching from its agency into this merchant piece yeah and the same with airline um, tickets so it's you know it's more sales volume but it's a lower margin business isn't it well it makes next to nothing on airlines actually it's just a service for for its customers so it's doing it i mean it, it does mm. make money on the merchant model with 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 um, hotels but it makes very little at all on, on air on the airlines on the airline piece um interesting numbers in terms of its uh alternative accommodation so the the non-hotel bit hotels there's 400,000 hotels on booking.com um um, and 2.3 million um, alternative accommodation properties but uh, the, although it's much bigger in number um, the alternative accommodation is only about 30 percent of uh, room nights so it's clear you know hotels remain the the key for I mean, mm -hmm. it's growing. The share of alternative accommodations is growing, but hotels remain key in terms of the future of booking. Um, so it's got this lower margin alternative accommodation growing faster. It's got this higher cost merchant bookings going, and it's got this huge spend um, on on marketing. Um, so it's got significant margin pressure. Despite all of this, stock market investors still seem mm -hmm. in love with booking. And you know, as we record this, the market cap of, of booking was 97 billion, um, which compares to the 78 billion of Airbnb, and uh, the world's biggest hotelier Marriott at 53 billion, and Hilton at 39 billion. So, um, despite all these challenges, um, it, it's still the apple of um, shareholders' eye. Interesting indeed. Now we're going to our five-star and star awards, and this week, Andrew, you're awarding five stars to. Um an event oh yeah no so itb back at last um so after a quite a brutal period as we've um um just been attesting to in terms of covid i mean i mean it was kind of the timing of itb was the worst because it was in that early bit of march 2020 so it didn't take place in 2020 didn't play, take place in 2021 didn't take take place in uh, 2022 so for the first time in three years it's back in 2023 but it came, it's come back with a bang 90,127 attendees so um it's really strong and this is it's a new sort of new um it always used to be a place where it was a bizarre hybrid thing where you had consumers turning up to book their holidays mostly ge local germans um but you had this massive trade show as well um now they've made it exclusively a trade show um so for and just and over three days rather than the um the sort of it had four days two days as a trade show and two days for germans to book their holidays in in, in its previous life um so it's come back as is 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 b2b only thing and it's um uh, you know it soared away so that's great news in terms of the overall meetings market and great news i think for for the sector another in positive and we're rewarding no stars this week to uh, yet another uh, initiative for sustainability to uh, further muddy the waters 
yes so this is the the world travel and tourism council getting on it i mean it is it's harsh i guess to say look you know no stars for this but it, it's just so confusing um the whole position here is so difficult and confusing in, in terms of you know how do you measure it um and what does it all mean and um you know claims that this is going to introduce cl clarity i think are very wide of it wide of the mark given you know how many other how many other schemes there are out there so i, I just wish we'd get some sort of um consistent uh, approach here which would uh, calm things down um and we're just not getting it and i think i think the future we've mentioned this before the future has to be an agreed sort of standards framework and that's going to come from the accountancy body ifrs um they've got this international sustainability standards board um that's meeting it's going to issue its first set of uh, very high level standards uh, at the end of uh, q2 this year and we, you know we're on a path to, i mean frankly i think it's going to be many years before we get to the level of you know where we can compare a pnl across industries etc we're a long way from that um on 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 the the whole esg thing um I mean, it's probably i mean i suspect it's going to be a decade plus but certainly several years before we get to a point but you know we're going to have you know some degree of agreed standards at least it's looking like at some point this year at least a starting point to to begin the discussions on it but uh, um, I'm afraid it is no star that it's still ESG still remains uh, an and on a salutary note we'll say goodbye for now